Welcome to Getting to Nimble. I'm Bill Smoots, a pastor. And I'm Sarah Brisa, a writer and musician. Join us on the first and third Tuesdays as we explore how to survive and thrive in the 21st century church. Today, we're going to be talking about the things that we have been learning through this uh, coronavirus pandemic and and what's going to carry forward from this learning. What what new things are we going to continue to do? What what things, how are we, how's our planning going to change? How's everything going to change? And how are we going to address all that change nimbly? But first, a little bit about us. I have been a church musician all over the, the denominational spectrum. And I also am writing a book for people in pastoral ministry. Yeah, between the two of us, we have over 50 years of ministry experience, um, which means one of us is old, and I'll give you a hint, it's not Sarah. And I have pastored primarily Presbyterian churches, and, and in recent years have been doing interim transitional work in UCC congregations. Yes, so we both currently work in UCC congregations. A lot of fun. And I think the, the subtitle for this episode is hashtag online forever. <laughs> yes, I think you are exactly right, Sarah. You want to say more about that? Eight or ten weeks, the uh, at least in the main line, the old line, uh, we, we got drug kicking and str- screaming into the 21st century, finally. Um, and we're realizing all the tech holes that we had. There were many. There are many. Mm. Um, you know, of course, I'm excluding the, the very, very large, very polished churches, but you know, all of us mid-sized and smaller churches, we're realizing, oh, we could be doing this a lot better. And I think we're also seeing how much we can reach to people that we were kind of overlooking before in um, not having a robust um, virtual presence. And I'm thinking, for instance, of ministry to people who would be classified as a shut-in, people who are, you know, just sick or who work on the weekends, who are, you know, medical professionals and other people who work Sunday mornings, and even um, even people who are sick, uh, you know, for a short time. Like we don't typically think of someone with cancer as being a shut-in, but maybe they can't come to worship for a long time. And we, I think that in the past we've kind of said, "Oh, our our virtual our, our worship is just fine. We've got a live we have a live stream, we have a whatever," and not really realized what this online worship could be like, what an online community could be like. In, in our churches. And and we haven't realized their needs. Um, we, we've been so focused on, okay, you know, Sunday morning's the show and, and we got to get ready for the show. We haven't thought about, oh, you know, there are folks that are dealing with long-term uh, health issues that, that maybe don't want to come be in a congregation or that there are people that, that work and play and travel and do all sorts of things and we've watched, you know, like the, the television world or the media world all move to streaming or, or record it on your DVR and watch it when you can. Um, and, and here we've marched along, okay, we'll worship at 9 or 10 or 11 on Sunday mornings and expect everybody to be there. And if you're not there, well, I guess you're not committed. Right. Right. And, and, and you missed out on a great experience. And the, the reality is we missed out on connecting with those people mm-hmm. and, and making them continually feel part of our faith community. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not to downplay the importance of in-person because man, I'm sure missing that in-person time. Oh, 
Yes. But, but at the same time, you know, like I, I love hearing a church member say like, oh, you know, I got home from work in the middle of the night and I watched the service and then I went to bed. Like what, what a thing that we were missing out on in the past. That's right. That's right. And, and um, the, the person who, who emailed recently and said, you know, I cough so much that I, I haven't wanted to come to church because I feel like I'd be interrupting everybody. Will you please keep the services online? Mm-hmm. Because that's how I'm going to be able to worship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and we, we, haven't, we haven't been curious enough to ask those questions. And I uh, wonder if it's also not laziness, but just busyness. Because, oh my goodness, we've, we're busy people. And I think because there wasn't a pressing need to explore the technology, to, to try something new, because there wasn't that pressing need. Oh, well, this, this live stream is just for people on vacation. Oh, this is, this is, this is just icing on the cake. I don't think that we were giving ourselves the opportunity to see like what could be possible. Um, cause it, cause it does take time. And, and now that it's been forced on us, it's like, Oh, well, I guess I really will figure out the microphones. I guess I really will figure out the lighting and and we're going to figure it out now and not in, you know, the, the great whenever that we were thinking of in the past. That's right. I, I've been at the, the church I'm currently serving since the 1st of February. So, you know, I was there yeah, six months and the then, weekend. okay, we're going to close folks. See ya. Um, <laughs> and, and one of the things that apparently was happening is um, the services have been filmed for some time and then just the sermon was being placed on the church's YouTube channel because we, we, who knew we had a YouTube channel? I didn't. Um, and, and I don't think many people do because it's not well subscribed to. And now that's where all our services are placed. And we'll put it on Facebook, but I think it's a link to uh, the YouTube channel. And I ask one of the staff members, can you give me some statistics on how much use we're getting and things like that. And one of the things that I learned new to me, um, apparently YouTube's been recommending us and I don't know how they do that. I don't know what that, you know, what that means. Maybe we're just a list of videos on the the right side of the screen. Oh, you might like this. Um, but, but apparently have recommended us about seven and a half thousand times. And of those 7,500 people, about 400 or a little more have actually clicked on and watched some of our services and it was it was like that's great but but what are we doing to address these people that 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 are really part of our virtual community now um everything has just been so focused at members or friends of the congregation and suddenly that that group got bigger and we weren't even aware of it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and And just how we talk in the online or the in-person setting, how, you know, we have welcomes and we have announcements and you know what? I'm not missing all the announcements. <laughs> I am, I am team anti-announcements, you know, read your damn bulletin, <laughs> Like, come on. but okay. I'm off my soapbox. Um, but during those like welcome, welcome times, I don't know that I've ever heard someone say, and for all those who are with us virtually, who are everyone who's online, even though, I mean, I've definitely been in churches where we knew that we always had people watching online who were regulars. That was their way of participating. I don't think that that was our way of praying together, of welcoming together, that kind of a thing. 
Yeah. And, and so this past Sunday, right after I found out about this, I did welcome people who were joining us virtually. First time I've ever done that. I hadn't even thought about working them into the prayer. Um, so that's a great, you know, thank you. Um, but, but it's that kind of creativity and rethinking that we've got to do going forward from this because the new normal is, is so very different and it's never going to be the same again. And, and this whole, like, you know, we've been talking about basically ways to imagine worshiping. And I, I think probably many of us are in a place of what does it look like? When we open up, Bill and I are both in St. Louis, and by the time this episode airs, we will be have a slightly less restricted stay-at-home order, and that means churches can open. The Catholic parishes are all allowed to open at that point. I don't know that they necessarily will. Um, some denominations are staying closed, and in the denominations that um, Bill and I are both in, we the this church structure allows each congregation to make that choice individually. And so we're kind of like, okay, well, what is it going to look like for us? Because, you know, are we going to small group it? Are we going to online? Are we going to social distance bigger service? Are we going to, you know, and we don't know yet. Um, and it's it's a weird way of, I mean, for me, like, <laughs> I was joking with Bill. I, I had literally had Christmas Eve of 2020 planned on Christmas Eve of 2019. Um, to which so, I replied, of course you did. <laughs> so, so for a planner like me, it's like, okay, how do I plan about 10 days out? Cause that's honestly, that's where I'm planning. I'm planning about 10 days out and trying not to drop the balls because when you are used to planning really long term, you, you give yourself a lot of, um, lot of room to drop a ball <laughs> because you're like, Oh, well, I've got six months. And you, you know, if you forget something, you'll remember it. But when you're only planning like 10 days out, it's like, Oh, Oh, actually, no, I need, Oh, I had to do that today. Because, you know, Which means this time is perfect for me. <sighs> it's hard for me. This is really hard. Yeah, yes, when Sarah and I worked together at the same congregation, I, I know I drove her a little crazy with my time news. But you know, uh, it's about me though, because like I don't mind working with people who are more more or less minute. It's just more like for my own peace of mind. I like having a lot of buffer in, and I know when the deadline is, and my paper won't actually be written until you know the day before that deadline. But you know, I'm working on it and thinking about it for six months ahead of time, so it's all good. Or, or 30 minutes after the deadline's passed, if you have a key that gets you into the building where the professor's office is and you can slide <laughs> it under the door. But that's a whole nother story for another time. I, I want to go back to something I said earlier. I said, you know, we'll never be the same. And, and, and I'm afraid I made it sound like a pejorative. And, and I should have said, and let all God's people say, amen. Oh, um, yeah. Because I think that the, the, the changes that um, have come to us as, we've, as we're reacting to to this pandemic are long overdue and and that that this has allowed us to um, jump 20 or 30 years ahead technologically now I I would trade that in an instant for uh, 80,000 people not to have died in this country and they you know multiplied around the world um, yeah. but but it these are these are changes that that the church is needed and sadly um, change doesn't often come to the church unless it's forced um, and unless the mission field changes. And, and I think 
online has forced a huge change in, in what's the mission field of the church. What's, where's our focus? It, it's just not with the group of people who show up at a particular hour on a Sunday morning or a Saturday night or, or whenever anymore. Bill, do you want to talk about nimbly closing? Because <laughs> I, I think, uh, you know, I, I have no crystal ball. I don't know what the future holds, but I'm fairly confident that we, when we open, we're also anticipating or at least planning for some closures. Yes, yes. The the church I'm serving now um, has a coronavirus task force, and we meet via Zoom at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings when we would normally be, you know, gobbling donuts in Fellowship Hall between services. And as as this small group was talking today and beginning to talk more seriously about, okay, what's opening back up going to look like and starting to put together lists of things we have to attend to. One of the things I felt moved to say to them was, and after we've gotten the reopen plan put together, we need to think about um, the next time we, or the next times that we're going to have to close again. Um, as, as the second and maybe third waves or spikes of this disease ripple through. Um, the, in, in St. Louis, the, um, the city was lauded for its response to the uh, pandemic, the flu pandemic in 1918, 1919. But, but even then, there were three distinct waves of that flu rippling through the city where there were significant spikes in people getting the disease and dying from it. And, and I think we've got to assume that that's going to happen again. Uh, sadly, I, I worry it's going to happen sooner rather than later mm-hmm. uh, because I, I think we may have opened up back up as a country a little too fast or, or in bits and pieces. But I think there will be second spikes, third spikes mm-hmm. um, yeah. for a year or two or three. We just don't know. And, and so we have, to, we have to approach the future with the belief that we're going to close again. And, and so I think we've got to start preparing people for that as soon as we open. Um, we're open. We're excited about it. We know it's coming again. And, and so we ask you to pay attention to these things. Um, I think we need to ask um, the folks who've been watching us online that, that haven't offered uh, emails and comments on Zoom conversations, what, what worked? What didn't? Um, give us feedback so we can do it better when we have to do this again. Um, I, I think we'll have approaches to communicating with the congregation down better, but we better write them down now. We can't just assume we'll remember them. Um, and, and we need to, again, push ourselves hard to make sure we're thinking of every corner of the congregation, whether they're members or friends. And, and I would say every corner of the community. Um, we, we got out we, we, we closed the church so quickly that we really didn't do a good job of thinking through how does this affect um, our mission partners mm-hmm. and, and what are things yeah, that, that we need to be doing um, with them or to be more sensitive to them or, or to help them stay whole in a very difficult time as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the huge ministries of the church is what we do with our mission partners by, you know, offering them our building. and. We like by creating that kind of space for them, we then have some responsibility, I think. Right, right. You know, we just we said we're closed. Didn't think about the AA group that uses the church um, and what that meant to them. Um, And and I I think they chose not to get together out of health concerns. But 
um, we should have been in conversation with them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and doing this the next time, we need to be in conversation with them. It sounds like a, a tool here is kind of like the like checklist of like, what do we have to do to close? What do we have to do to close well? What does that look like? And what does closed mean? Like, for instance, the church where I work is closed, but we're, we still have multiple staff members in and out, not usually at the same time. But, you know, I go in and I record the organ, you know, pipe organ stuff. Okay. You know, I, I'm not, you know, to be clear, I'm not hanging out with other people while I'm there. But like, you know, what does actually closed mean? Because I know some people were like closed means nobody is allowed in the building. Um yeah, you know, and we've, we've changed locks, we've changed security codes to keep the building as clear as we could because mm-hmm. we would get it clean and then, oh, people have extra time on their hands, so they're gonna just come by church. Yeah, and whereas, like, for us, like, because it is as close as it is, it's very easy for you know, I guess there are five of us who would be in the building. Um, you know, we text each other and say, okay, I'm gonna be here, so don't you come, <laughs> but, you know, so we, we, have a, we have a good sense of uh you know, what is potentially contaminated and isn't, and, you know, we're able to keep our distance, and, but you can't do that if, if there's, if you're kind of a leaky sieve kind of, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Well, in, in some ways, I, I think we're asking churches to develop what lots of community governments already have, and lots of corporations have, is, is kind of an emergency procedure. You know, how do you, how do you respond to a disaster? Um, and, and in, in a lot of ways, the response to closing the church quickly because the virus is spiking is closing it in relation to a disaster. And, and we need to have a, a protocol. We need to have lists. Staff people need to have assigned responsibilities um, so that when it does happen, we're not just figuring it out on the fly as we have been. And hopefully you know how to communicate to everybody. I'm thinking of a, a friend who's very large um, congregation uh, didn't have an email list. And he had mentioned this to me in previous years. And I, and I always thought like he meant like they didn't send out like emails to people, but no, it turned out they literally didn't have emails for the many, many hundreds of families in the parish. Oh my. <laughs> I was like, I, I, I just had to laugh. Cause I was like, you, such as like someone needs to retire and, and this is what you're maybe several people need to retire but wow i'm trying That's to describe funny. this in vague terms so no one can possibly trace back to which which friend i'm talking about um, but that's just stunning so we're, we're talking about communication we're talking about nimbly closing and those kinds of things let's talk about education because we're we're heading into summer season where I think in the past we'd be thinking about BBS and we're thinking about, um, oh, our children, you know, in our congregations, are we going to see more of them in the summer? Are we going to see less of them in the summer? I think like where I am, we would expect to see way less of children because they'd be traveling, mm-hmm. they'd be at sleepaway camps. Um, and now it's like, okay, well, how are we in this flux season of maybe in person, maybe not in person? How do we continue adult faith formation and faith formation for children. Cause there's not going to be any sleepaway camps. There's not going to be yeah. a whole lot of traveling this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, so are you going to have more kids there because they're a captive audience or are, are their attendance patterns in the summer going to stay the same? Yeah. I'm going to guess they'll stay the same. 
I, I feel like um, a kind of odd boon to this time is that because people aren't traveling, you know, they're certainly not going to brunch on Sunday morning. So it's like, oh, well, I guess I'll tune into church. Um, and I think that's also the case for kids because um, at least for older children, and I, I should say my, my uh, born son is almost four. And um, so I'm not really into this phase of life yet, but it seems that older children are so incredibly scheduled these days. And so it's kind of like, um, you know, how does church get prioritized and mix the mix of everything else? Um, and I feel like everything else has been canceled. You know, certainly soccer isn't happening and isn't going to be happening for a long time. And so it's like, you know, what does it, you know, what, what, I, I feel so bad saying like, what opportunities I am not at all trying to say like, oh, what a great thing that's happening. But amidst all this terrible, like, like what can we even do to minister to people who are also in difficult situations? Well, I think you and I were talking before we got on, uh, before we started recording about the fact that the educator uh, in each of our churches is is doing they're each doing creative things and oh, finding um, ways that they're connecting with people sometimes daily or, oh, get, or a getting times to know uh, listeners heard from Emily Stokes who's at the congregation remember on an episode just recently that's right that's right yeah. and and I think those kinds of things are going to continue uh, I, again even when we're back because just the busyness of life and the pace of life so many of the families are leading. Now, maybe they'll shift some because everybody just won't be home on Wednesday night at six, um, but, but maybe they won't. Um, maybe maybe the, the Sunday morning um, time that, that basically is telling the children's sermon will be when young families click in because they, they can offer those 10 minutes. Yeah. Out of out of a busy morning, and that or, happens or, on a Monday night over dinner, or whatever. Right. Or it's available whenever, mm-hmm. and, and and so I think these educational efforts are going to continue to evolve. And what they may allow us to do as churches is to give faith formation the rethink it has long needed. Yeah, um, I think so. Now, Sarah will be familiar with my rant about Sunday school. Um, <laughs> it, it began in the 1830s and 1840s as a way to teach children to read and um, became institutionalized in denominations with curriculum and, and all sorts of stuff. And, and quite honestly, as far as I'm concerned, that model died about 20 years ago, maybe even longer. And, and it has not been working well for a lot of churches, but we haven't known what to do differently or what to do next. And, and not that we, we've got that all figured out in churches because, of, because we've been away for six weeks and been doing things online uh, or via Zoom for six weeks, but I think we've started that transition that has desperately needed to take place in faith formation. And I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, yeah. So lots of lots of experimenting there. Um, another thing we're thinking about is pastoral care, and what does pastoral care look like in this flux season of in person and not? And we're we're going to have at least one episode coming up that's specifically devoted to pastoral care. But for the time being, you know, we're thinking about how do we how do we continue to care for people virtually, especially given that many of the people who are most we would most prioritize are ones that we can't even visit because they're in nursing homes and we literally can't go and aren't going to be able to go for some time. 
That's right. That's right. We've 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 talked about not only teaching technology to some of our older members so mm-hmm. that they can stay connected with us, but but does the church even need to go buy a bunch of tablets? And um, and when we can get together with people, teach them how to use it and say this is yours until you don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and you and and so that and here's how you can communicate with the church. Here's how you can watch worship. Those kinds of things because we're aware that we have people that just don't have technological abilities right now or or may not even have a Wi-Fi uh, capability where they are. And, um, and might not have, have a phone that does that. I'm thinking how sometimes for um, much older folks, um, they might not have a smartphone. They might have one of those phones that, you know, just has the big buttons on it. Or they, yeah, they might still have the landline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And, and so, so there are those kinds of pieces that need to be worked on. Um, the, the congregation where I'm serving now has been, it's been a larger congregation, and they've relied primarily on a, a multiple pastoral staff to provide care. Well, now they're, they're, down one, one, they're down from three pastors to two pastors. Pastors can't get out and do a lot of that care. And, and it was members going, gosh, we need to be calling each other. And so, yay, they're starting to call each other. But, but one of the things we need to look at differently going forward is we need a more fulsome approach to care that, that isn't just dependent upon the number of pastors uh, a larger, in this case, a larger church has. I, I read something years ago that that one pastor can effectively care for about twelve people, and, and so we need some kind of structure. In my Presbyterian world, it would be a board of deacons, um, maybe coupled with something like Stephen Ministry. And and I don't know if that's right for the congregation where I'm currently serving, but we have to rethink that, mm-hmm. and and we need to have pieces in place before the next wave comes and before the closure, next closure comes. I think some of this is about how our casual contacts have been eliminated. Like we are not interacting with each other except intentionally. And I realize, like, okay, the Facebook comments of the live stream or whatever, but by and large, you know, in the past, you just have little chats in the, in coffee hour. And sometimes that little chat turns into something more and suddenly you've got someone crying on your shoulder. Like, you know, this, this happens. But but that um, that environment is no longer there, and so we on on a ministry side have to be thinking about well how do I reach out? How do we collectively reach out, knowing that we cannot personally call every single person on the on the list, right? You know how what what kind of structures can we build in so that we have this time to check in with each other? That's right, and and while that coffee hour uh, conversation will hopefully return. Um, for some, it's got to be a both and. It, it yeah. just can't be an either or. And maybe that's one of the big takeaways from this is we're just not going to go back to how it used to be when in many ways we're going to be busier or, or we're going to be doing multiples of things because we're going to need to do some of what we used to do and, and yeah, some of what we've done. and in person. Yay! And, and, and some of what we started to do or still need to start to do. And, and I guess I find that kind of exciting. Uh, I, I feel like there's there's some energy around church that I haven't sensed in a long time. Again, this is a horrible reason for all this, but but I'm excited by the energy that I'm sensing. It's it's like uh, sometimes well, this is I mean this is a well studied phenomenon that a catastrophe can 
it turns your world upside down and is something that most people look back on and say, I'm glad for that. Um, like I, I don't have the specific studies, but you know, people who have, you know, quadriplegics, like major, major total catastrophes in their life. And they say, Oh, well, this is what made me the person that I am. And I feel like we, the church are collectively going through something that is changing us 10 years. We're going to be like this, this is what made us who we are now. Yes. Yes. I agree. So a last area for us to think about is long range planning. I laugh slightly. <laughs> We've alluded to the fact that, you know, I'm a planner. Um, and also, I, I think it's worth pointing out, I um, have a baby due in a couple of months, three months. And, um, you know, so of course, I've got my maternity leave all planned, and I'm going to do this, and I have this, and so organized. And I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, what am I supposed to do? Um, you know, so I, I um I realized like in, in this long range planning, I just want to put it out there that of all the people who are kind of screwed, I, I would put myself as like right there on the list of like, oh, well, I do my best and whatever I do is going to not be right. So with all that said about planning and we don't really know what we're planning for, but that's kind of the point that we don't know what we're planning for. Um, one strategy that I have seen a number of my college professor friends online uh, reference is that they don't know if they're going to be teaching online or not this fall, and they, or, or if it's a hybrid, are they, are they doing both and? And they have, I've seen several people comment that what they're doing to plan for this is to plan to be online, because for them, it's so much easier to take an online course and then bring it into the, to the in-person space. Whereas it's much more difficult to be like, I had all these creative things planned and um, it, it, it doesn't translate as easily from in-person to virtual. Yeah, yeah. And so I've been thinking about planning, especially for the fall, especially for a maternity leave, um, and just thinking about like, well, what, what can I put in place that could be reverse engineered if it needed to be to be in person? But, you know, like what would... What would that, what would the equivalent look like for me? And I still don't know what that is, but it's giving me a place, a little bit of like a little toehold to be on <laughs> instead of just feel like, I feel like I, I don't have any, uh, you know, I, I don't, I, at the end of the day, like, I don't want to leave my colleagues in the lurch be like, ha you know, I'm, right. I'm gone. Bye. You know, I, I don't want to do, do that to them, especially because I feel like, you know, Bill and I joke. I'm just like, well, you know, all the rest of us on staff can preach. So if something happens, but no one else on staff can play the piano. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, so I was like, okay, well, you know, I don't want to leave people in the lurch. So you might not even be able to hum heart and soul. So, yeah, you know, no, we've, we've got, we've got some good vocalists on staff. You but, do. You know, yeah. It's like, what, do, what does it look like? And I, I'm using myself as the example, but I think that for all of us, we can think through, at least a few different options of like, you know, what happens if, you know, we're only doing small groups and we're kind of like even a flow chart, like, well, what happens if we've only got small groups and then worship is online? Okay. Well, what happens if it's online and then it goes to in-person and then back to online? Oh, you know, like these, like the, there are not limitless scenarios here, right? We've got the, you know, a few different options. The place you've got me thinking is, um, you know, we got to do Holy Week on the fly um, in, in a very different, different way this year. And so as, as we think about going back, what are the high holy moments that are coming up? Mm. Um, you know, certainly we can say Advent and Christmas, um, but, but like the church 
where I'm serving now, uh, Totenfest, which is the old uh, German uh, Evangelical Kerkes version of All Saints Day. And, and so, so that's apparently a high holy moment. And so how do we plan these so that we have online resources if we need them yeah. and then aren't just desperately trying to scramble and put something together at the end. I mean, we can always do a normal Totenfest. We can always do a normal Christmas Eve, but, but how do we plan enough so that if we have to be away, we can still do those things? You know, something I've been thinking for those big festive occasions where we would normally expect a lot of people. Well, one, we're not going to have as many people there, but I'm also thinking about, okay, well, what does Christmas Eve look like with a lot more services? Because we certainly cannot, unless things radically change, which, you know, they might, but, you know, we can't put that many people in the building safely at 11 p.m. on Christmas Eve. What does it look like for us to do spiritually meaningful, musically meaningful, whatever meaningful? assuming we're in person on Christmas Eve, what does it, like, what, how do we reimagine what that looks like? Which goes back to the beginning of what we were saying. How do we imagine different ways for worship in this flux space of we're in the new world and we're creating it right now? What does it look like? I don't know yet. I don't have a plan yet. How do you light candles and sing Holy Night uh, or or Silent Night if you can't, uh, if you have to be six feet away from each other? Oh, are we going to be handing out the Bic lighters? Uh, yeah, yeah or, or, or the glow sticks that the kids normally get. I, I think, uh, I think um, Bill and I and all the Getting to Nimble listeners, we, we should be buying the Bic lighters right now because there's going to be a run on them at like around December 15th when every other church is like, oh, crap, how do we do this? <laughs> so we will be prepared, y'all. Or, or I remember last year um, at First Congregational, they had uh, – candle looking glow sticks for the kids yeah, no, it, it may be it may be time to order those or or to uh yeah. at least buy stock in that company <laughs> oh my goodness yeah so like oh. it's we're planning but we're planning knowing that our plans are not what they planning isn't the same as it usually is and 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 we may need you know i'll play with the nimbleness word we may need that nimbleness you know, certainly for the foreseeable future, but maybe maybe the big lesson is we always need to be that nimble. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because the yeah. world is constantly changing, whether it's as, as quickly as a virus forces it or it's just in flux. And the church has not been great at staying in time with the, the changing pace, the, the pace of change in the larger world. I think I think I'm related here. Like, Bill, you and I are neither of us like we don't hold tradition like tightly in the, in our hands, you know, we don't grasp at it. And at the same time, like, I think it's so easy, you know, you're busy and you're like, well, this is the way we do it. And sure. I'll just follow the template because it's easier that way. And man, I'm tired and I'm busy and I, I don't have time to reimagine the wheel right now. Um, and this is, well, it's giving us the time even for people who didn't have to like change their mindset so much, but just, you know, kind of had to, we had to kind of change the way we're, I don't know, doing life in a way to say, Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm ready to reimagine now because this is Mm -hmm. what I have to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. I think you're right. So go ahead. I'm I'm sitting here uh, reimagining the, you know, what is it? 
what is music potentially going to be like if we can't sing? And, you know, that's, that's up in the air right now. And I've, I've already been warning people. I'm going to be getting so many people into the handbell choir. But <laughs> we won't see me coming, but I will get them into the handbell choir. Or, or what's it going to sound like for a congregation to sing into their mosque? Yeah. It's yeah. going to be very different. We don't know. It's a, it's a weird, it's a weird space. And it's, it's the space that, that we're in. Yeah. It is where yeah. we are. So, so would it be fair to say we'd love to hear what our listeners are thinking about and, and how they're beginning to, to look forward in their congregations, um, what kind of things they're doing, what kind of planning they're thinking about, mm-hmm. um, yeah. what's, what, how are they staying nimble, and what's, what do they think their future is going Yeah, I think that this is prime learn from each other time. I mean, I even, you know, making notes for this episode, I was, I've jotted other notes, Bill, where I was like, oh, I need to share this with the people at my church, what Bill is doing. This is a great idea, you know, because <laughs> there's a lot to learn from each other. Yeah. Now, I actually have a read of the week. Oh, do tell. I do not because we're going on eight weeks of me not having read a single book. Okay. Um, okay. However, I want to I want to plug my forthcoming book, which isn't forthcoming for like a couple of years. But that's that's where my like brain space, any extra brain space has been towards writing, writing this book. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm at home with my little kid. Um, so at least doing something, but what are, what are you reading, Bill? So I, I have recently finished a book called the almighty wall, the architecture of Henry Vaughn. And, and he was an architect that, that lived at the end of the 19th century and beginning of the 20th century was English and, and in England was well-schooled in the Gothic revival movement. No, this is exciting stuff, but then came to America and, and brought, Gothic revival to American churches and primarily Episcopal churches in New England and 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 more of the kind of Anglo-Catholic Episcopal churches, high church, Episcopalian architecture. And, and the thing that I appreciated about the book, not so much all that background, was how intentional he was in planning worship spaces mm-hmm. and, and that the the feel of the room and the the objects in the room to interact with in worship were really important. And, and he took time to not just plan what the building was going to look like, but then plan how it was going to be used and, and the, the religious um, items or, or sacred pieces that were going to, to be in the worship space. And, and I think, you know, because things have changed so much in this day and age where we don't tend to have the money to uh, go to find woodwork carving or stone carving or, or any of that kind of stuff, you know, it's kind of like, okay, what's utilitarian? What fits? We don't need all these fancy things to worship. And and yes, we don't, but this book helped me appreciate and, and remember how much that those those pieces that are intentionally placed in a worship space can provide meaning if it's done well. And and that even in the midst of this different day and age where you know the worship is virtual maybe or or where um we're we're living with sanctuaries that are newer or or we're trying to make this old sanctuary work for, for new technology, there's still some importance in the the space that we inhabit as God's people. And and there's importance for how that space helps focus our minds and our hearts on God for worship. And, and, and I appreciated that reminder 
um, in this book. And, and um, I'm really, it's forcing me to think about, okay, how, how do I think about virtual worship um, in, in a different way? And we're doing this conversation via Zoom, and the view you see over my shoulders is the view that people see week after week after week, because we're not going into the building. We're just doing mm-hmm. our pieces from our homes. This is not an exciting uh, or worshipful view as far as I'm concerned, and, and I need to think more about that. And, and think about what that means going forward for that second round of closing or maybe that third round of closing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what kind of so, things we need to make those changes happen? The Almighty Wall, The Architecture of Henry Vaughn by William Morgan. Um, it's, it's an out-of-print title, but it's fascinating stuff. Great. That's it for this week's installment of Getting to Nimble. Look for new episodes on the first and third Tuesdays of the month. If you're enjoying this show, Please share it with your ministry buddies and review the show wherever you get to podcasts, where you, however you listen to podcasts, send it to friends, um, place it out there on the sidewalk, uh, let, the, let, let the internet carry it wherever it will. <laughs> you can find the show notes at sarah-bariza.com. I'm Sarah Bariza. And I'm Bill Smoots. And until next time, keep it nimble, but keep it legal. <laughs>